Principal Matters Podcast, episode 235. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm talking about leading in a pandemic with my friend and guest, Andrew O'Farrell. Andrew O'Farrell has been the principal of Beach Street Middle School since 2009. And prior to becoming a principal, Andrew was an assistant principal at Lindenhurst Middle School. He began his journey in education as a social studies teacher and then became the dean of students at Diker Heights Intermediate School 201 in, in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew has been married to his wife, Kathy, for 20 years, and they have three high school college age daughters. Andrew O'Farrell, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. And as you know, I always like to ask guests to fill in the blanks on the, that intro and tell us something that listeners might be surprised to know about you. Well, thank you, Will, for having me. It, it's a true honor to be on your podcast. I love uh, Principal Matters. It has been very inspirational and motivational for me. Uh, something that would surprise listeners are interesting about me uh, is that I started my administrative journey as a, a dean at IS 201 in Brooklyn on September 10th, 2001. And the second day of my job, uh, being on a nice hill in Dyker Heights, looking over the skyline of Manhattan was September 11th. And that was kind of my introduction to administration. So um, I, I learned very quickly about crisis and uh, preparing for things. So it's kind of how my life has been kind of always baptism by fire. Wow. Andrew, thanks for letting us sit for just a moment and remember that, you know, I was listening as a lot of people have been to some of the news and some of the hearings going on in Washington, DC, as they talk about the, the riots on the Capitol there, remembering that it was 20 years ago, yep. 20 years ago, when September 11th, the last time we saw an attack on our nation's, uh, well, a thwarted attack on our nation's capital. And of course you saw that firsthand right there in, in New York. Yep. And um, and what a way to start your school leadership. It, it, there's something else that listeners might be surprised to know about you, Andrew, other than your work journey. And that is your history prior to becoming a principal, because I've known you long enough to know that behind that quiet demeanor is a former all-star football player. So you you played in college and high school. I know you've had a long history of, of sports before you stepped into school too. And so I'm, I'm sure that has also informed the way that you lead. Sports have always been a big part of my life. Um, I played uh, high school football. I played basketball. I played in men's leagues as, as an adult. Um, but football and being part of something that's, you know, is has always been something that really gave me a sense of being part of something bigger than myself, being part of the team um, and learning a lot about teamwork, learning about dealing with others, conflicts, working together for a common goal. So it really has definitely been a, a big piece of how my leadership style goes, how I try to get a team together to accomplish goals together. Well, Andrew, one of the privileges that I've had in our relationship is knowing you as a listener, but also as a member of the Principal Matters Mastermind this past year. And it has just been such an honor to sit in the room and watch you talk about the journey that your school has gone through in reopening. And one of the things that I've really been excited about in this conversation is just relaying 
your story to other principals because there's lots of folks out there who have had similar experiences with reopening and hybrid settings, bringing cat kids in, providing virtual options. But there are also very many principals out there whose students are still at home and they're anticipating that return. There are some that have announced that return is 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 going to be really soon. There are other cities that are trying to figure that out. But I can sort of remember back in the summer when you and I first began to meet in a free mastermind that I had opened up for just anybody that wanted to jump in and begin to brainstorm together. You were really just working through a lot of the protocols and ideas then. And then later when you stepped into the Principal Matters Mastermind in that smaller group, you you were able to share with us a lot of what those uh, what that looked like when you begin to implement. So I just wanted to begin there and ask you to take us back through your school's journey into reopening. How did you manage logistics and relationships in a really difficult setting like that? The first thing that the district did is that they created committees uh, of teachers, administrators, parents um, that got together and um, discussed the reopening plans uh, for the upcoming this school year that, that we're in. I was, there were subcommittees on that that myself and other principal chaired. We really looked at our procedures, our protocols, how we would implement instruction, how we would assess what type of models uh, that were out there. Uh, and for middle school, we kind of came to the decision that we would open the first three weeks of school in a hybrid and then try to transition to full enrollment. So that was kind of the, the goal that the district had for us on the middle school level. So as I started to unfold in the summer, the one thing I did was try to uh, reach out to my colleagues, reach out to the mastermind to see how much information was out there, what other ideas that people had, because I knew that uh, by collaborating and seeking out as much information I can, I could probably apply the best possible plan, and we, my team could provide the best possible plan for our building. Working with the Suffolk County Middle School Principals Association, uh, Laquita Outlaw, uh, Dennis Shrug did a great job by having weekly meetings, uh, being able to have other principals talk about it. So through all of that, I started to collect a lot of information, a lot of, idea, a lot of data, and a lot of ideas that I could apply to our school. Uh, we looked at our massive schedule to make sure that our rooms, that uh, our classrooms, and uh, the size of the, cla the classes in those rooms would be able to fit regarding the social distancing uh, protocols that New York State had set out. In New York State, the guidance was six feet uh, in all areas from desk to desk, but if you had a shield, uh, a plastic shielding, it could be three feet. So we actually went in and measured every room, making sure that kids were as far as far as possible. Uh, the district went out and got a lot of PPE supplies and making sure that we had enough supplies for us. Uh, we enacted our three W's, watch your distance, wash your hands, and wear a mask. And that's one of the protocols that we have. Every student, every staff member was obligated to wear a mask. Uh, we do have mask breaks during each period, um, and we put a procedure in for that. Uh, but we looked at every aspect of it. We looked at our hallways. We started to make one-way hallways, uh, staircases. We looked at the hallways. We put lines down on the floor to make sure which direction the kids should be going in. We kind of follow the rules of the road, stay to your right. We have a rotunda in our building, which we made a one-way area. So we just try to look at every aspect of movement, every aspect of the building to put a procedure in. So we came up with a pretty good plan on how we would do it, how we would space the kids. We looked at the cafeteria. 
We spent a day kind of going over how we would we'd figure that out. And we came up with pretty solid plans in terms of being able to fit everyone in a place and having a master schedule that would support it. When the teachers came back for the first few days of Superintendent's Conference Day, we really focused on trying to build a structure that everyone knew about, a framework that everyone knew about. We talked about teaching this to the students and really making a focus of teaching our new procedures to it, you know, being out in the hallways, observing, interacting with the students. And, you know, if there was a time where kids weren't following with the correct gently. We had two superintendents conference days where we kind of just, you know, went over all procedures, asked questions. And prior to this, I, I was, you know, in touch with a lot of teachers. Um, you know, we have our union reps that we were in constant contact with going over it. Um, we had town hall meetings with parents. We had town hall meetings with teachers uh, just for them to be able to express their concerns and, and be able to hear us and kind of have us give us time to fully explain what our procedures would be and what our procedures um, would look like once the students returned to school and ensure that everyone was safe. And that was really the most important thing that myself, my assistant principal really looked on. We wanted to make sure that our job at that time was to make everyone feel safe and provide the safety of everyone. So we really made efforts to make sure that we reached out to people, we talked to people, we got input from everyone, let, let them hear their concerns being aired and let us give our response of what we could do to help them. I remember back in August, we actually had a sixth grade orientation. So what we did was we broke it down into small groups and had multiple orientations for the, stu the students. Um, I remember myself being very anxious and, and worried uh, about how that would go, how the kids would be. But I remember when the first group of students started to walk into the building, a smile just came across my face, my assistant principal's face and the guidance counselors that were there that, you know, this is something that we wanted, this is something that we needed, and this is something that was good for kids to be in school learning and, and being in, a, in a, a building with their peers and with their teachers and, and being in a supportive environment. We went through the first three weeks of being in the hybrid. And then on September 28th, we transitioned to full enrollment. One of the key things that we did as well is that we have a staggered arrival. So each grade level has a time frame of when they can arrive to school. That leads, you know, doesn't, it prevents the, the clogging up and the uh, the jamming of uh, hallways. And we have a staggered bell schedule. We dismiss by grade level. So sixth grade has two minutes to pass. Uh, seventh grade has two minutes to pass. Eighth, uh, eighth graders have two minutes to pass at different times. Um, and, you know, the periods kind of start at different times and end at different times, but it seems to be working well. It allows the hallways to be not as crowded as they were when we did one school-wide passing. Uh, and the other thing that uh, has really worked well with us is that we have, a, during that time where we have a SAG arrivals advisory, it really allows uh, teachers and the students to build relationships during that time because it's kind of unstructured. Our guidance counselors have provided a lot of um, lessons and activities and videos through Google Classroom for kids to be engaged with. So that part of it really has worked out well. Well, Andrew, I just want to commend the work that you and your team, your teachers and your district have done to really serve kids because I know that short summary that you just gave entails months and months of, of hard work to actually implement. You lead a middle school. And so I am curious, um, how have your kids responded? How, how have they, they operated 
in some ways the same or different from before COVID? Kids have been incredible. They have been so resilient uh, and they have been so cooperative. One of the concerns were, were our middle school kids going to follow and take serious all of the procedures and protocols? And I remember also when I was de- developing, my, uh, our, myself and my assistant principal, developing our cafeteria plan, where we had the kids spread out six feet apart. And actually, uh, during a few of the cafeteria periods, we utilized the gymnasium, half the gymnasium, and we put cafeteria tables in there. So opposite was to our typical cafeteria program and how kind of antisocial it seemed for kids not to be able to be in close contact with their friends, be able to sit with their friends kind of spread out. You know, we kind of explained the rationale, the reasons why, and they have responded incredible. And, uh, you know, they, they still are able to talk and they've um, we've implemented things where we've gone outside now and we do you know, walks. Uh, and a walking program during the, the nice weather. We still do it in the cold weather uh, because we do know how to lock it. So kids actually have their coats with them. So dressed appropriately, we could go out there. We've had a couple of snowstorms, so that has uh, prevented it. Uh, but we've you know put some arts and crafts in there and other things to uh, allow the students to have a, a sense of um, you know being able to be able to be in there and have some socialness, have some connectedness, and be engaged and, and not be uh, isolated um, in ways. They've been really great about wearing masks. Um, they understand the importance of that. They are, understand the importance of you know, sanitizing and their hands and washing their hands and following the procedures. And we have, you know, the stickers on the, um, the floor to kind of tell them where to stand. They stand on it. So they have been incredible. Uh, they really have uh, been terrific. And in fact, it was um, um, when we had to do some contact tracing, uh, for, you know, um, a case uh, was outside, but they, they were exposed inside here. When we had to tell kids that they had a, you know, quarantine, they were, they were disappointed. Uh, they didn't want it. They wanted to keep coming to school. So I thought that was a positive thing that the kid really still miss coming to school, even with all these procedures in there. Well, Andrew, I know that there are so many things to celebrate in the year when a lot of schools haven't had as much success as you guys have had in returning and it's not been without its obstacles. You've had to close at times. You guys have had to quarantine. You've been able to, um, to, to stay healthy. Uh, so congratulations on just leading through such an amazing time. But I also know that there are other leaders out there who um, may be going down the same path or maybe they're getting ready to step into something similar to this too. It, I know it's hard to summarize all of that experience into a, a lesson that you would share with leaders, but if there is a leader who's listening, who's anxious about their own school stepping into that experience, what's a lesson that you feel like you've learned from this experience that might help another leader have perspective? It all still comes down to relationships. This actually has, I think, in many ways brought me closer to the staff with with my leadership uh, in terms of it. and having those conversations, being visible, checking on people, uh, making sure they're okay, hearing them out, um, I think is the most important thing. Um, It all comes down to relationships and the trust that you kind of build. Uh, And if they see that you're out there, you know, working to make sure that they're safe and those kids are safe uh, and that you're hearing their concerns and you're, you're explaining and you're listening and you're building that trust, 
it really, the lesson comes down to, it's all about relationships, which is a universal truth in, in everything that we do. It, with these conversations, sometimes even some of the relationships that I had that you know, may have not been the best with certain members, at least it was, a, it was a, an opportunity to have a discussion about things. And I feel that some of those relationships actually have improved you know, during this pandemic, even though I, I understand their concerns, even though I understand that they may want it different, I still, um, you know, we were able to talk and discuss and hear each other out, sometimes agree to disagree, but, you know, there was that mutual respect there and that trust that, hey, in the end, we're really trying to keep kids safe and that's the most important thing. The safety of the staff and the safety of the students is the most important thing. Thank you for saying that because I, I, that's what I have observed in your leadership is, is really two strengths. One is the commitment to the logistics necessary, the processes necessary for people to feel confident that they can return to school safely, including your staff and your teachers and your parents and, of course, your kids. But then on the flip side of that, the relationships, the trust that it takes in order to do that. And as I'm listening to conversations of other leaders across the nation in the world, you know, those tensions are always at play. You and I both know that there are there are lots of schools that are still waiting for um, the opportunity to step back in. I recently heard an interview with a, a teacher who was asked, um, their school w- was back in person like yours. And, and, and someone asked her, well, what do you, what advice would you give to teachers who are afraid of returning to their schools? And she said, well, I, st- I stand in solidarity with any teacher whose district hasn't provided the resources, the support of the trust where they're confident to step back in, but hers had. And when I listen to you, I'm just so grateful that you are in a place where you guys invested deeply into ensuring the trust of your community and providing the resources necessary to get the job done. And it wasn't easy. It's not easy to go measure every classroom and put up plexiglass and and bring kids in in alternate times. And I know you, because you told me in separate settings, open windows throughout the day and let kids go outside at different times and, and make sure that masks are being worn at all times and that the distancing protocols are being followed as, as much as they can in a middle school setting and yeah. alternating passing periods. None of that stuff's easy, but what's happened is as you've done it consistently throughout the year, it's become the new routine. And that's the amazing thing about kids. Kids are so, like you said earlier, they're so resilient. When you introduce them to processes and routines and they practice them long enough, it becomes their new norm. And someday we'll be able to step back around to the way things were before COVID. But in the meantime, you guys have had the beauty of providing school to kids um, through a really difficult time. Any thoughts you want to add to that? No, I agree 100%. It ha- really has become their their new normal and their expectations, and it's kind of second nature. And even in the morning when I'm out there greeting kids in, you know, they may forget it when they get in the car, the mask. The first thing they do, Mr. O'Farrell, do you have a mask? And I give them the mask. They have really internalized it, and they understand. And like I said, if they see that little stamp on the floor, they know they have to stand there, and they kind of just do it routinely. Exactly, they really have. And I would say the district really has um, – provided a lot of support for us in terms of the PPE, in terms of everything that we need. Uh, and that really helped um, the teachers and the staff feel safe and secure. It really helped the students and parents feel uh, safe and secure in our building. Well, Andrew, thank you for the work that you've been doing for your kids and for your school community. I, I did want to transition while I have you in the room to a few other questions. There, are, I know there are people listening here who have had years of experience like you, and there are other aspiring leaders or younger leaders who are stepping into this work for the first time and, and 
in in that battle, whether you're a new leader, aspiring leader, new leader, or seasoned leader, there's always lessons to learn along that journey. And and I just wanted to ask you to share a little bit about your own leadership journey because you've told me before how there was a time when you realized that collaboration was really something you needed to keep growing. Can you talk about that for a few minutes? When I started out in the early 2000s, you know, what I thought I had to do is kind of just learn all the regulations, all the routines, kind of um, work with my mentor, kind of just develop my skills. And I, and I thought at one point uh, I knew the, the regs, I knew what was going on. I knew the answers that the people had the questions they had. Um, and I kind of felt like, you know, I'm here. I've, uh, I've arrived. And I, I know now I'm going to become that person who is uh, the old salty guy who gives wisdom to people. But, you know, at a time when um, things started to change, the, the standards, uh, Common Core came in, APPR came in, and at the same time, technology started to boom. You know, I was really finding myself disconnected to what was actually happening, disconnected to the kids, not really. Um, being on top of my, you know, leadership skills uh, and the knowledge that I needed to be able to help people become more creative, become more innovative. Through learning some hard lessons, um, I really started to break out of that isolation because I felt I was really working as an isolated administrator that, you know, thought he knew the answers or thought he knew the what, what how things should be. So I really started to kind of, you know, look into the ed camps, look into you know, social media, which I was, you know, at first, not, I'm not a social media person, but there was a lot of resources out there that I never knew. It, and there was a lot of collaboration, a lot of great ideas out there that, you know, I was missing out on, you know, a lot of times people would make a, a, say a term and I had no idea what it meant. And I really felt like um, I'm supposed to be the person who knows everything, but I, I know the least right now. I really had to force myself to kind of break out of that isolation uh, and really start to develop collaboration and, and, and be open to learning more, um, building more trust with my, my, my faculty, letting them be more innovative and creative by finding resources like the podcasts and listening to other people this summer, joining that mastermind uh, and being part of the mastermind this fall really has allowed me to hear and listen better gave me a lot of advice in times where even though I've been doing this for a long time, there are still situations that come up where, you know, I may not have the best idea and may not have the answer and working with the team and, and, you know, finding strategies out, working on my communication, working on how I respond, working on um, being more self-reflective of how I come off or how I uh, uh, talk to people. Uh, really, I, I kind of like, you know, I'm a work in progress all over again. It really has transformed what I thought I knew and uh, now I, then I didn't know. So breaking out of that isolation and becoming more collaborative and reaching out to other principals and other administrators and, and hearing and, and even with my, you know, in our district, we have two uh, middle school principals at times where, you know, he would do his thing, I would do my thing. We thought we were, you know, doing right for our building, but in this time, you know, really we have become more collaborative uh, and, and, it, and it's really has, you know, been much more successful uh, and better outcomes and more positive outcomes uh, during this whole entire time. And we faced a lot of challenges last year, but working together, being on the same page, uh, talking things out, uh, coming up with ideas, sharing documents, 
it's less time of doing that busy work and more time planning strategically and talking and building relationships, which I think that I'm still working progress on. And, um, but you know, day by day, we try to improve. I love that story. And, you know, Danny Bauer, who leads better schools, I know he didn't coin this phrase, but I, I learned it from him, you know, that isolation is the enemy of excellence. And it's just so true. When we, when we're connecting with other leaders, we grow, um, we grow more and we can see, we can see things more clearly and I know that you've had that experience also as a member of, of our mastermind group. And and yeah. I wanted to give you just a moment also just speak to any principals who, who may be considering either uh, looking into an opportunity like that with uh, principal matters or through Danny's uh, podcast or Jethro Jones leads a great mastermind um, at transformative principles. There's lots of options out there, but why, my, why might a principal gain some value from that, Andrew? Being a part of a mastermind has really, you know, helped me, especially in the last, you know, couple of months during a very transitional time, a very new time, new challenges, um, you know, things going on in our, our society, in our world where it could affect schools and education. So it really was a sense of every week I got there and I felt great about going because after that hour and it went so fast that hour, you know, I got something worthy out there. I got something that I could apply next day or next week in my, in my building. Well, Principal Matters listeners, you can look on the website at williamdparker.com slash mastermind if you're interested in finding out when those mastermind opportunities are open. Andrew, I'd love to wrap up this conversation with a story. And, um, and so I'm going to put you on the spot. But I know that principals especially have to hold on to those memories of kids in their schools that they've seen either turn around or perhaps reach goals that they may not have been able to reach without the support of their school. And I'm curious, who's one of those kids in your experience? And obviously you can't say names, um, but what's the story of a student that you've been able to work with that you, you hold on to that memory as this is why I do this work. Uh, We had, there was one student here um, that was not showing up to school when he was, when he was, uh, when he was in sixth grade. Um, so after several conversations with him and with his mother, I just said, I'm going to show up to the house. So I showed up to the house um, and talked to him um, and eventually got him to school. And then we had a, a meeting with the staff and we kind of put together a plan. We worked with our psychologist and the student actually enjoyed running. And we got him involved when seventh grade uh, in the track team here. And he actually excelled. And by eighth grade, he was asked to go up to the varsity. And, and by his senior year, he's one of the, the, the top track stars of the state. And really kind of turned around from a, a child who was missing school and absent from school to being one of the kids that was always in school and, and, and an achiever in school. You know, it was a team approach. And a lot of other people connected with him. A lot of other people made him feel secure. That was just a one thing, and you know, I kind of stood on the side and let, and let my, my staff take over. Uh, and he really kind of excelled through eighth grade. And there was, you know, there was peaks and valleys during that time, but there was consistent effort from the staff. And, and really the high school, when he went to high school, he thrived. Oh, I love that story, Andrew. And when I, you know, I just want to back up to the beginning of it, because when you take that extra effort of I'm missing a kid from my building, it takes courage to go do a house visit. That's not something that every principal has done. And if you haven't done that before, 
it's um, you're out of your comfort zone and you're stepping into a situation where you're not always sure exactly what you're going to, what you're going to find. Any other thoughts you want to add to that before we wrap well, I, up? The one thing I have to say is that a lot of credit uh, in that story uh, goes to the high school track coach. Cause I remember the fall of his eighth grade, he was able to go to varsity. I was concerned about him being varsity and not coming to school and things like that. Um, and I remember the track coach telling me that he had a bunch of seniors and upperclassmen that were going to be mentors to him. And I think that really being part of the varsity team in eighth grade and having those mentors there and that coach really setting that, it was one of the key things. Well, Andrew O'Farrell, thank you for doing work that matters and Principal Matters listeners. I hope that as you've heard this conversation today, you have been reminded that leading in a pandemic involves so many of the same qualities of leading when you're not in a pandemic. Those processes, those protocols, the trust, the relationships, surrounding yourself with others who can help you support you in that mission. And Andrew O'Farrell, I'm so glad your kids have you and your team supporting them in that mission. If Principal Matters listeners want to reach out to you, uh, where can they find you or your school's website or your emails if they want to correspond with you? Yeah, you can find me on the West Side of Public Schools website. Um, the email is there. It's a.ofarrell at wi.k12.ny.us. And you can find me on Twitter at aofarrell, aofarrell A. Aofarrell A. And I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Andrew, thank you so much. Principal Matters listeners, thank you for the work that you're doing because what you do matters. And we'll talk to you next week. 